Welcome back to Behind the Screens. I'm Simon Burton from Numero. And I'm Matthew Liebman from Movio. Welcome back after a week off, Simon. Thank you, Matt. It was great. Uh, returned to the homeland in Australia. Um, got back to Los Angeles last night. It was good to catch up with family and friends and, uh, yeah, get back to the, the good weather of Los Angeles. It's been raining for about 48 days straight in Sydney, so good to be, uh, good to be back. Excellent. And um, you've come back to a fairly quiet week at the box office. Really nothing even to dive into deeply for the audiences, but why don't we focus on the dollars? Yeah, taking a look at the, the domestic marketplace this past weekend, uh, pretty strong hold for the number one film, Uncharted, taking $23.25 million, a drop of 47% from its opening weekend uh, last weekend. Uh, Dog remained in position number two with a, a 32% drop, so a stronghold there with a tick over $10 million. Um, and Spider-Man No Way Home, still a, a podium finish for that title with $5.75 million, or only a drop of 22% from the, the previous weekend. And uh, I did see the Fooies launched their first film, uh, Studio 666. Did it gross as much as their um, concert tours did? Uh, probably not, to be honest. So 1.58 million from uh, 2,300 screens this past weekend, uh, coming in at eighth position, just ahead of the other new release in market, Serrano, which grossed $1.4 million and finished in, in ninth position after the, the weekend grosses. If we broaden our look to the global market and take and dig into the uncharted numbers internationally, uh, again, a really strong hold. It was only down 35% overall. Um, and just diving into a few of the, the key markets, uh, the grosses in the UK for this, this film are exceptional, currently standing at 24.8 million US dollars, which was only a 12% drop from the previous week. Um, other top markets are France at $12 million, Spain at $9 million, and Australia at $8 million. And all of those markets uh, having really strong holds in the, in the low 30% or, or high 20s. I guess everything's holding out for the Batman and we'll have a bit of a chat about what the pre-sales are looking like, what the pre-sale audiences are looking like at the back end of the interview. But why don't we turn our attention to our guests this week? Today I get to chat to two of my favourites. We've got Francisco Schlotterbeck, who's the CEO of Maya Cinemas, and Andrew Brooks, Executive Director of Sales and Marketing at Santico's Entertainment. Francisco has been with uh, Maya since uh, 2019. Maya Cinemas was founded back in 2000 with a mission to develop, build, own and operate modern first-run multiplex movie theatres in underserved, family-oriented, Latino-dominant communities. They have six locations, five in regional California and a sixth up in North Las Vegas. Prior to joining Maya, Francisco was CEO of Silver Spot Cinemas, which is where we first met. That was out of Florida. And before that, spent 16 years as the CEO of Hoyt Cinemas in Chile. Santico's Entertainment runs 10 theatres in and around San Antonio, Texas, with an 11th about to open. Uniquely, they are owned by a charitable foundation, and we'll get into that with Andrew in a second. Andrew's been with Santico's for almost five years, leading the marketing function for budgeting, advertising, marketing, strategy, and corporate sponsorships. Andrew held a series of senior marketing roles before joining Santico's, including in the cattle and beef sector. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. It's great to see you both. Hey, it's great to see you. Yeah, thank you. So 
I'm a big fan of Zappos, the online shoe and clothing company, and it's now owned by uh, Amazon. Now, their founding CEO, Tony Shea, positioned the company as a service company that happens to sell shoes. And one of the reasons I want to speak to both of you is I see a little bit of a parallel here. Both Santikos and Maya take the business of exhibition really seriously, and you do an excellent job. But through your founders, exhibition isn't the end of your stories. So maybe, Andrew, starting with you, can you discuss your ownership and, and how your profits are distributed? Yeah, definitely. Uh, first, thanks for having us on, Matthew. I'm excited and I'm excited to hear and visit with Francisco. And, you know, Santicos, our mission is it's pretty unique. Uh, John L. Santicos uh, was the founder, along with his father, Louis Santicos. And John passed away in December of 2014. And when he did that, he left this incredible gift to the community that nobody really knew about except for him and a couple of others. And so what he did is he actually gifted Santicos Enterprises, which is our real estate and theater company, to what is called the San Antonio Area Foundation. That is a nonprofit that focuses on lifting up the community here in South Texas. And so with that, he created the John L. Santicos Charitable Foundation. And so 100% of our profits are given back into that foundation to be then distributed into Bear County and the seven continuous counties. So there's an eight county range in which we've donated over $64 million since 2015. That's amazing. And then Francisco on your side, Meyer operates a community foundation. Uh, you have an education fund. And I guess your whole reason for being where you locate your theaters is focused at the community. Can you elaborate on, on your focus there? Sure. Uh, thank you again, I mean, from Matt for inviting me to be part of this uh, of this uh, podcast today. Um, it's a uh, it's interesting the story. I mean, when I joined the company, which was the reason I moved from a big move for me from Miami to to West Coast, right? The founder of the company, uh, Moctezuma Sparza, uh, he is and he was and a pretty active social activist back in the sixties, right? And he found back then and over his um, career as a producer, because he's a, a producer, right? Uh, a Hollywood producer. That the education is the only way that you can get to the next level, right? In terms of these underserved, I mean, uh, communities, right? So when, we when he founded the company back in early 2000, and he had the movies to show, he didn't find any theaters to show their movies. I mean, Selena, Walkout, whatever movie that he was producing, they said, okay, I need to show these movies in in my, let's say, heritage, right? I mean, because I mean, he's a, a Mexican-American. And he started the business. And immediately he said, okay, when I was back in the 60s fighting for the rights, for the, for the social, I mean, social um, education, right? I mean, to try to match, I mean, not create difference. He said, I mean, well, this is the right opportunity and the, I mean, the, the unique opportunity to create this uh, foundation. So basically what the company is doing the last, I mean, 15 years is uh, we match, right? I mean, through uh, we do uh, roundups, I mean, in the in box office concessions, right? So we promote them very heavily in, in our screen advertisement. Uh, we've been uh, partnered with Coke. I mean, we are partnered uh, with Coke. Actually, we just received uh, the check for 2022. We uh, we have a, a new partners, I mean, lenders that, I mean, well, we have involved in our, in our portfolio, part I mean, of the foundation. So basically, and the customer, when they go to the theater, I mean, they uh, contribute to the uh, to the foundation. And what we, what, what we do, we work with the um, local, um, uh, regional uh, school districts. So every year in March, before the year ends, uh, we uh, basically uh, give around $200,000 in scholarships, right? I mean, through, by each theater, right? So basically we, we raise a hundred and we match uh, another hundred with the company. 
and we uh, we give I mean this I mean scholarship to the uh, to the different I mean community people they're looking for of course I mean uh, finance support I mean from uh, to get to again to the next level right because I mean they have the their their talents they're gifted but they don't have the resources I mean to apply for UCLA to apply uh, another outstate uh, uh, university so I mean I mean we have a pretty good I mean uh, background doing this I mean for years that's amazing so I'd be keen to get both your perspectives when you run a cinema chain with this broader community remit and mission does that influence the way you operate or do you just run the cinema as best as you can because when you do that you're successful and profitable and the fruits go to the the charity is 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 it in the front or back of your mind as you you go about your daily business i'll kick us off the uh it was really unique so we were blessed when john uh made this gift you know he was a philanthropist before he passed away and so when he did pass, he left some instructions and he wanted profits to go into certain areas. And so he distinguished four certain areas. And then within those, there's some there's some subcategories, but they fall into uh, people in need. They fall into health, youth and education and arts and culture. And so uh, but in his will, he was very uh, clear in what his wish was. And his wish was to grow the enterprises business. So that's the real estate and theater, because if you grow those, you'll be able to give more to my foundation and in essence, lift up the community. So he said, hey, business, and that's why he did this. He goes, I want to hire the best people that can grow this brand, because if they grow it, I will be able to get more, to give more to the foundation, to lift more people up. And so that's why we have that clear distinction now um, and it's pretty exciting, but in our mind, it's always at the front. And so we think of three things. We think of brand, culture, and people, and you can interchange those because no matter what you're doing, and that's how John was, he walked in and his philosophy was you treat somebody like they're walking in your house. And so we always focus on culture and people, and then that's our brand. And so when we look at uh, location, you know, what's the culture in that location? What are the type of people, uh, we're going to get to interact with? How are we going to advise our trainings? Uh, and then how are we going to support that community when we move in there? So that is very much at the forefront of our mind. And it was really cool how he set up this gift to keep that division because he knows the company is going to be hit. And so uh, I think if it's it's not really a challenge, it's an opportunity when people come, it's like, hey, we want to, can you donate? And it's like, actually, that's our foundation. And so here's the information on the foundation. Here's how you apply. Here's how you get involved. And uh, it's been a really unique and, and fun partnership. That's great. And for you, Francisco, how do you operate with this broader remit? For us, I mean, it was, I mean, uh, let's say a gift because, I mean, since, I mean, our, uh, the pillar uh, of the company, the main pillar is to be in underserved, in these underserved communities, which, I mean, uh, mostly dominated by Hispanic markets. We, we found out, I mean, after years, I mean, did some I mean, recollecting information from my, from previous, I mean, management and actually for people marketing who is working today before me, I was joined to the company four years ago. It says, I mean, it wasn't a reciprocal re relationship, right? Basically, because we're giving this opportunity to the communities since, I mean, old school marketing, of course, was movies, 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 movies. But, but then, I mean, the company, like I, I would say, I mean, when the digital, I mean, marketing campaigns, I mean, they, they were, I remember you were involved in that, of course, <laughs> to move you. It's, uh, it's I just started, I mean, five, six years ago, it was a gift, right? Because we were communicating this, I mean, to the right, let's say, a community that we want to, to want to be. So what is happening today, actually the people who is donating more uh, more money, when we go a transaction in terms of this reciprocal relationship, it's people who's in high school because they say 
to our box office uh, uh, staff or our concession, hey, here's my dollar, here's my 50 cents, and I hope to be the next uh, person who will be, be awarded in the next round of a scholarship, right? So basically, they create that relation, that tie, that bond pretty, pretty hard, and people love Maya, and they call, of course, when they go to the theater, they, they say, locally, we don't go to the movie theater, we go to Maya, right? So because we're very strong in this, I mean, community outreach that we, that we do. We did, I mean, during COVID, right? I mean, we did it before COVID, and we're doing now with the, uh, after the reopening. So it's, it's our, again, it's our, uh, bottom line, it's a reciprocal relationship. Right? Um, yeah, we typically hear a lot about the impact of COVID in the big cities, places like London and LA and Sydney. But as you've mentioned, uh, Francisco, you look after some of the regional California cities like Bakersfield or Salinas. So what activities have you undertaken to come out of restrictions in uh, some of the smaller locations compared to these these uh, large world cities that, that might differ from what you've experienced, I guess, even for where your head office is down in Pasadena in, in LA. Yeah. So, well, basically, I mean, we couldn't, I mean, it was tough, as you know, I mean, for all of us, right? I mean, with all these uncertainties, I mean, basically, I think the, the right decision that we made uh, is to keep our general manager in our in our location, right? I mean, uh, we of course we had to follow all our staff. I mean, we we kept our our GM, right? Basically, he was really involved, really involved with what's going on in the uh, in the area, right? So of course, I mean, we did pretty much what the rest. I mean, they did. I mean, popcorn pickup. We we did some. I mean, um, uh, shows. I mean, outside of our because we own the properties, right? So basically, we we can do pretty much whatever we want in terms of the real estate. Right, as on Bakerfield and Salinas. I mean, we did. I mean, uh, live shows. I mean, with uh, when before the theater they were able to open. We did. I mean, some exhibitions outside. We did some. We did some fairs. We did some. I mean, contests. So try again. Try to keep the people. I mean, coming to the theater. Not forget. Hey, here's the theater. Of course, people were, were a little sad. Say, well, I mean, the, the theater they're closed. But I mean, keeping pretty much. I mean, all the activities and marketing and the uh, whatever that we could have in that moment. In, in our theaters, right? So uh, keeping the uh, the theater lab. I mean, we never stopped doing marketing. Always, I mean, doing surveys, uh, doing. I mean, we did. I mean, some podcasts. We did some YouTube uh, video live transmissions. I mean, in order to again. And we had. I mean, when we did one YouTube, I mean, transmission by theater. I remember in Bakersfield. I mean, I mean, reach up to uh, I don't know fifty thousand people connected at the same time, right? To talk about the pandemic, the theaters. I mean, it was the Oscars is uh, happening, right? So it was good. I mean. Try to keep people, I mean, active, right? I mean, okay, movie theater, they're not, they're not gone. We're in hibernation mode, right? That's it, right? So pretty much that was uh, our that was our message. Yeah, great. And Andrew, for those who don't know, Santico's theaters are true megaplexes. I mean, they're not just for movies. There's expanded food and beverage and other family entertainment activities. And about a year ago, it was reported that Santico's was offering those people who were working as line cooks in your theaters a signing bonus of about $1,000 if they stayed at least 90 days with you. So I was wondering what, what motivated that and what was the impact? Is it still around? So uh, what impacted that, again, goes back to our culture and people. And so it, it's line cooks. We've actually expanded it uh, to what we call our cast and crew. Uh, so all of our uh, labels in the theater are, are around movies. So we have cast and crew. We have theater directors, um, our, our cocktail artists, or the bartenders. And so they have uh, bonuses as well. And uh, when the pandemic first hit, we spent the first three months uh, anybody that we had to furlough, we were still paying their health and benefits. And uh, luckily, we were the last theater to close. And we were the first to reopen in the country. 
And so uh, in March, when our governor said we had to close, uh, that afternoon we were in a room and we are coming up with a, an opening plan. And then uh, the executive team had a plan and our CEO charged us and said, okay, we need to go get buy-in from our employees. And so we all went out and created a bullpen and we started calling employees. Hey, do you want to come back to work? Are you comfortable? If you, if you don't want to, that's okay. And uh, overwhelmingly, they wanted to come back to work. But what some of them said, you know, my, my significant other works in healthcare and I don't feel comfortable right now. I have some underlying health issues. I don't feel comfortable. And so as we were trying to hire and now continue to hire, we wanted the best people. And so that incentive was to get the best people to fit into our culture. Because uh, when we were closed, uh, our culture is what shined through. Uh, we revamped, uh, we, we do a lot with a local blood bank. Uh, well, of course, uh, they use a lot of schools, universities, they all closed, so the blood drives went away. We, we took John's spirit of innovation and we turned our movie auditoriums into blood donation centers. And so we were playing some movies on screen and there was literally beds lined up in the auditorium <laughs> land and, and we were doing blood drives. We turned some of our locations, much like Maya, we own a lot of the properties. And so we turned them into mega food distributions and we'd hand out a, a million or 2 million pounds of food a day to 3000 cars that were lined up. And some of the drone footage we have from some of that was just incredible. And some of our employees who are furlough were like, we want to come help. And they're out there helping us and, and just distributing. So as competition has been tight for labor, we're like, we want the best people. We want the best culture. And so we're going to incentivize for that. So it, it's still here today. We're, uh, we're, we're back up to fully staffed. We're 700 plus employees and, and we're still holding true to those bonuses. That's excellent. So pivoting a little bit, Francisco, um, Maya Rewards is the name of your cinema chain's loyalty program. What purpose has it played for you in achieving your, your broader business objectives? And has that evolved since you joined Maya uh, three years back? Yeah, I mean, always, I mean, as you know, I mean, for years, I mean, always I've been working uh, with the, with data, right? That's the uh, my, main, my main objective, right? I mean, data is the uh, the main, uh, let's say, uh, golden mine of, the, of, of this uh 2000s and, 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 and today, right? So when I joined Maya, I mean, they didn't have, I mean, a, a strong uh, a loyalty program, right? So basically I brought all my ideas that we did in Silverspot, all my ideas that we did in Hoyts in South America, and we put a nice new plan together. So, and we started building the program. And after, I would say, a year and a half, we reached, I mean, over 100,000, I mean, uh, uh, members, which, I mean, for me was, I mean, wow. I mean, why the company didn't before? Well, the because the company didn't have movie offer to do. I mean, any any kind of a track information. They didn't have. I mean, all the uh, uh, let's say tools or uh, uh, ideas. So basically, what we what we what we offer today, it's it's always again, it's a creating. I mean, and a two ways cha channels, right? I mean, they provide information to us. We know who are who are the VIP customers, right? And we know that for again for and we're rebuilding the, the data again from 2021 but i mean it's if we do a match it's the same people right so we know those vip people i mean we need to treat it like a queens and kings right because i mean they spend a lot of money in our theaters right i mean when i say a lot of money i mean if i if i tell you that i mean an average per person per year is over 1200 
200, I mean, dollars, uh, uh, it's amazing, right? Uh, wow, yeah, how do people, I mean, of course, they're, they're going to the theater every week, they buy popcorn, they buy soda, they buy, they buy beer today. So we need, we use that Maya Rewards program basically to continue keeping the uh, our VIP customers, I mean, pretty active and engaged with our with our concept, right? Because I mean, our as I, as I said before, our concept is pretty unique, and the uh, since I mean we're opposite with Andrew. Since I mean we we were the fir- very the first that we closed and the last that we opened, right? I mean, after after fifteen months, we lost all our staff. All our staff, I mean, today it's ninety five percent new. So basically, when we reopened back in June. Imagine, I mean, nobody knew to make popcorn, tickets, uh, I mean, in training in Vista. So it's a lot of, I mean, challenges, I mean, during three months and the, the ops team. But what I'm trying to say here, it's, I mean, the Latino, they are super moviegoers, right? You have the moviegoers and you have the Latinos and the Latinos, I mean, I'm blessed, right? In terms of, I mean, I mean, number one, the big families, right? Five, six big families. And number two, I mean, they go every single week, right? So basically, they are the consumer. They I mean, they consume Netflix. They consume they consume. I mean, uh, Disney Plus, and they go to the theater every week, right? So I mean, we are in in that particular I mean reason we're a little blessed of uh, of we're in these communities. And regardless, they're underserved, right? I mean, middle class or in some areas they're poor, uh, pretty pretty poor areas. But I mean, they go to the theater. Now, that is the escape, right? I mean, they work in the farms. They work in the uh, in Vegas. They work in the in the, in the hotels. I mean, twenty four seven, and they need that escape. They need that break, right? So, I mean, uh, and we use them in the Maya rewards program to try to capture that information because every single human being today, they have a phone, they have an email, they have a credit card, they have. A... So that's the way that we're trying to, again, rebuild this uh, Maya rewards after pandemic. Yeah, great. And Andrew, one of the things I've really liked working with you and with Santicos generally is that you are always up for trying new things with the program. And I know you're currently trialing a couple of experiments to drive concession spend, especially amongst those people who come to the concession stand less frequently than the general guest. Is there anything you can share with the progress of those experiments at the moment? Uh, I can. And I just want to say, for instance, he hit the nail on the head, you know, data is king. And so our partnership with Movio has been so amazing. Um, we've really focused on, especially when we reopened, uh, we reopened at 25% capacity, just like everybody else is kind of staged. And so uh, what do you do? You, you got to try to market to some people. Um, and what we saw and what we've seen now, even going through a remodels, we t- we've now taken over a couple of locations, a remodel that were dine-ins. Uh, we're actually seeing the per caps go up we're seeing our per caps higher than they were in 2019, which has been incredible. And so we have a market share goal and uh, we have a a per cap goal. Well, what we challenged Movio with on some of those was, hey, how can we drive per cap? It's excellent, but there's still some opportunity here. And so we want to lift that. Uh, And they came with us and said, okay, hey, we're, we're tracking and looking at concession spend. We think there's an opportunity here with some low spenders. And so y'all actually helped me break out different buckets. So we have our high frequency, high spend, low frequency, high spend, low frequency, low spend. And we're targeting those that, okay, we can move them to the next bucket. And uh, the, the statistics have been amazing. We're going to go over the actual numbers here shortly. Uh, but we had a preliminary run for a week. Uh, the, the results were amazing. We've now extended that through the end of March. And so we're giving discounts. We know you come. You, you may buy popcorn every once in a while, so we're going to give you a discount to try something. We're seeing them. They're coming in and using that discount, and then they're buying more. So someone with a really minimal 
a discount or a, I should say per cap of five, six, seven bucks is now doubling that, sometimes tripling that, uh, which has been amazing. So uh, that test is ongoing and I'm excited to keep doing that in the future. That's great. I used to work with a food and beverage guy and uh, we had the concept of the infinite shopping basket. There's always an upsell. Even with the jumbo combo, you can throw Twizzlers or something on top of that thing. Exactly. You can. There's always an upsell. And with y'all, y'all know my motto. I'll try anything once. Yep. <laughs> I'll go and ask for forgiveness instead of permission. And so this is one where I get to say, hey, look, this, this kick butt. That's great. Uh, where we are now, I mean, the world is coming back to normal. I think the US is a little farther ahead of, of a number of countries, certainly where we are in New Zealand. Uh, Francisco, I know that you guys are, are taking the, the safety aspect very seriously, and there are still masks being worn by guests and staff and uh, purchasing digitally. So there's, there's minimal human interaction uh, on the transaction side. And while that really does drive the safety and the comfort and the confidence level, it can also weaken interpersonal connections and service. So how are you balancing the, the remote safety aspects of the operation with delivering excellent service and giving that personal touch? Yeah, it's a good question because, I mean, what I'm seeing, I mean, I, again, I love customer service. I mean, I've been uh, pretty uh, obsessed with customer service. It's uh, what I really miss. I mean, not just in, in, in our series, in, in, all the, in all the industries, basically it's a smile in your face, right? Uh, it's really hard. I mean, because you don't see expression, right? When you do the trans when you do this transaction, especially in concessions, in box office, people, I mean, they're buying online, I mean, in the app or website, I mean, 70, 80% of the transaction are doing an, an online. But I mean, when you're in the concessions, right? I mean, it's uh, it's really hard, right? I mean, to deliver an, 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 let's say, an outstanding good customer service because you don't see the face, right? You don't see the expression, right? If the, if the, if our employee is, it's upset, it's tired, it's whatever. So that's it create, I mean, uh, it create the, the transaction like a cold transaction. That's right. What I, what I say, right? So we're trying to encourage, I mean, always, I mean, uh, asking the name, what is your name? Do we, I mean, following no, no rocket science, I mean, uh, techniques, I mean, doing some Starbucks, I mean, techniques, but I mean, trying to keep this, I mean, um, connection in terms of with the customers all the time, right? I mean, uh, eye contact because they don't see your smile, and of course, I mean, applying the technology. It's something that, of course, I mean, with the safety, I mean, measures. It's something that we are working. I mean, twenty four seven, right? With my IT team, right? Actually, we, we our plan is gonna maybe we're gonna get rid of the box office in uh, in pretty soon. We did that in, in Silver Spot when I was in, in in Miami. Actually, we did it. I mean, up to ten years ago, right? Um, but again, I mean, here in, in, in our in our market, in our um, in California market, I mean, people they carry cash, so they need to pay in cash, right? I mean, so the transaction they're they're moving. When I when I joined to the company, it was I mean, seventy percent cash, thirty credit cards or debit, and now it's fifty fifty, right? So, but we need to it's an education process, right? If you educate our customers, they will. I mean, after a year of the transition, we can we can create this, I mean, safe environment to buy tickets, to buy concessions, and, and to do pretty much everything. Actually, we're doing something new now in North Las Vegas, I mean, uh, the uh, online, uh, what we did, I mean, before in in, 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 our, in our, because my previous company was a full dine-in, right? So I didn't want to invade Maya with all the crazy ideas that we made or with all the mistakes that we made before, because we made a lot of mistakes and we lost a lot of money also. But we don't want, I don't want to do that, right? So basically we're doing it step-by-step, step, pretty gradual, uh, and we're doing some uh, some uh, new additions in the NFP portion in, in North Las Vegas now. Um, I hope, I mean, that, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to work, right? I mean, again, again, avoiding 
the, the transactional part with a, within a human interaction, which I don't like, but it's more efficient for our customer. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, Andrew, I see that you're not accepting any new members to your Santikos Rewards program and you're starting to preview or talk about a new Movie Lovers program. Is there any teaser you can give um, give listeners on where you're heading? Oh, yeah. We got more rewards and more fun heading their way. <laughs> well, we, uh, we, we are uh, moving to a new uh, program. So right now it's just Santikos Rewards. We are transitioning to Santikos Movie Lovers within the next couple of weeks. So we hope by mid-March. We're going to have this up and running. Uh, it's an exciting new program because it's free. So our old classic program was $8 and you got a, a popcorn and a movie ticket and a movie ticket on your birthday. Um, and what we saw is we liked the Chick-fil-A model. We took some Southwest uh, uh, strategies and we molded that into a new program where we're literally going to offer more rewards, uh, more fun. You'll get to redeem it on more stuff. And so you're going to get to see your points build up. You're going to move through tiers. So $1 will get you 10 points uh, in movie fan. Once you move up to movie buff, then $1 will get you 11 points. And then as you move into the movie guru, our highest tier, uh, 12 points per dollar. And then uh, a teaser that nobody's heard about, we'll have an exclusive VIP club we'll roll out in a, laser, a later phase. And so it's really exciting because it comes down to targeting. We, uh, we know through Movio that marketing and targeting works. And so we want to give that customer the experience that they deserve. Uh, and data's king. Uh, Third-party data's going away. Uh, we have you know 130, 140,000-ish active members. Uh, we want to grow that uh, throughout uh, our footprint of all of our locations. And so we think that free model is the way to do it. And so we're going to make it more fun. We're working with some studios to offer some maybe exclusive stuff for members. Uh, we're thinking outside the box. Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna be scared to step over a boundary, and uh, just have some fun. Our, our, we did a lot of case studies, so we actually took different names. We brought our guests into the theater. Uh, we did polling, uh, and a lot of our top tier guests. Uh, I'm gonna say you know, three or four hundred had a say so in how we build this program. So it's pretty exciting. That's great. I wish you luck, but I don't think you need it by the sounds of it. I think it's a little rush out the door. Look, I think one of the great things about our industry is that it really is a noble profession. We get to, to bring stories to people. We get to be the place where friends and family come together. And that in and of itself should be enough. But the way Santikos and Maya operate takes that even a level above with your focus on the community and the people who come in beyond the couple of hours there in your four doors. So uh, I really wanted to showcase that today. And I thank you both for your time. It's always great to catch up and, and hopefully it'll be in person before too long as well. Sure. I hope to see you in CinemaCon. I don't know if you're coming or not. Fingers crossed. If they let me okay. out of the country, I'll see you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for that, Matt. Let's turn our attention now to the Batman pre-sales this upcoming weekend. Uh, so at the time of recording on Monday, the 28th of February in the USA, um, we can see the pre-sales domestically for the Batman are currently tracking at about two and a half times those of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which we know went on to gross $90 million in its opening weekend. Uh, and interestingly, when we compare them, uh, the Batman pre-sales also to Spider-Man No Way Home, they're currently tracking at around about 30% of those pre-sales. And we know that Spidey went on to do $267 million opening weekend. 
Um, so I guess it, it's auguring for a release, uh, an opening weekend somewhere in between sort of $100 million and $120 million if we were to try and throw a dart at that dartboard. But those two those two results are, um, are interesting. They don't give us a really sort of hard uh, prediction to, to go off. But as far as the, the audience is concerned, what's that looking like, Matt? Yeah, we looked at it uh, again from the same perspective of you. This is a pre-release audience. It might change between now and opening day. But as it stands right now, the most similar films are Spider-Man No Way Home, Eternals, Joker, both of the last two Avengers films, the Venom sequel, Shang-Chi and Star Wars Episode Nine. What I found a little interesting is that the Joker is the only movie from the DC universe in the similar titles. We don't see Suicide Squad. We don't see Wonder Woman or any of the more recent ones. Uh, I don't know what that means, um, but it did jump out that there wasn't as much, I guess, devotion to one universe popping out there. Um, it is unfair in a little uh, way to, to compare the Batman to Spider-Man No Way Home, but I'm going to do it anyway. And we're going to look at the pre-release audiences. I don't think anyone... Uh, predicts that the Batman will gross the same as Spidey for this opening weekend, and it can be a huge success even not doing it. But maybe identifying where some of the differences are, uh, give marketers an opportunity to try and grab a few more people through the doors over that opening weekend. So one of the key things we saw for Spidey No Way Home was that 50% were in frequent cinema goers. And that's a massive total, illustrating just how many people have brought back to the cinemas to drive that box office. So far, the Batman's in frequency at 29%. And the Batman almost doubles Spidey's uh, audience in the frequent category. They're sitting at 28% versus 15%. Now, um, part of that might be that uh, these people are seeing all the comic book films that naturally migrates them into that category. Part of it also is that uh, this isn't pulling as many people off the couch that hasn't, haven't been in cinemas all that often. The other thing we saw is that Spidey had about 46% of all visits in its pre-release so far um, in groups of three or more tickets. And that shows Spidey's broader family appeal. The Batman's strong, but at 37% compared to Spidey's 46%, it is behind uh, with most of it in the two ticket bracket. And this, I guess, reflects a different level of family appeal. 45% uh, of Spidey's pre-sales were to showtimes before 6 p.m. versus about 33% for the Batman. That also reinforces that family appeal. And I know I'm talking about one fairly modest market, but as recently as last night in New Zealand, the film wasn't classified or rated. And there might be some parents like myself waiting to see whether it's appropriate for the youngest child. So maybe you'll see a little bit of a rush, but definitely feels like it's a less family-oriented title in all aspects, including the ticket sales to date. Uh, the last thing I'd say is that Spidey definitely skewed younger with 35% of the pre-sale audiences under the age of 17. It's less than half that for the Batman at 17%. And the Batman most out strongly outperforms in the 25 to 44% bracket. It's 43% in that 25 to 44 age group versus 31% for Spidey. Batman's also far more um, male skewing at 73% male for the pre-sale um, weekend audience versus 66% for Spider-Man. So we're definitely seeing a film that looks a little more grown up uh, with some of that slightly less universal appeal than Spider-Man. I guess it correlates with what you're seeing as some of the advanced ticket sales. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so looking forward to, to next week. I can't wait to, to share some blockbuster results with all of our listeners. Uh, it's been a, been a few weeks in the, in the coming, hasn't it, till we get to announce some, some huge numbers again. 
Absolutely. We'll see also um, what it does to some of the holds. Uh, I guess Spidey in particular is still, as you say, a podium finish. Um, does that still tick along or does the Batman cut the legs out from under it? Um, but we'll find all of that out next week. And I also get to talk to Sharon Strickland, who's the CEO of Dendi Cinemas and Icon Film Distribution, uh, one of the leading independent distributors and exhibitors in, in Australia. So that should be a good chat as well. Can't wait for that, Matt. Can't wait for that, champ. Uh, bring it on, the Batman. Blockbuster numbers coming up next week on Behind the Screens. Movio and Numero are two of the businesses within the Vista Group, the world-leading provider of technology solutions to the global film industry. For more moviegoer insights, be sure to visit movio.co and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. The Behind the Scenes podcast is produced by Grace Furness, edited by Patrick Hanna, with additional support from Ryan Preventure, Georgia Culverwell and Christine Rizzolo.